Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, listeners, and once again, welcome to the world of Underwood and Flinch. Only the titular Underwood of this book isn't the Lord, but the Lady of that name, Lady Rosamond Underwood, to be precise, and we'll be getting to her and Damo in just a few moments. But first, I don't know if you saw this, but I recently released a video at YouTube in which I revealed some things about the possibly forthcoming Underwood and Flinch TV series, including the name of the Hollywood studio that has optioned the saga. So if you haven't seen that yet, do check it out. You can find my YouTube channel by searching there for Mike Bennett Author or UNF TV Update, that's the title of the video, or just by clicking the link in the show notes of this podcast or at my website, mikebennettauthor.com. And if you don't want to miss out on any further video revelations regarding the television series, because there will be more in the future, then be sure to subscribe to my channel while you're there. And something you may have noticed on this podcast lately is ads. This is a new and perhaps unwelcome addition, but be assured I get paid for them. So if you listen to them or, or just let them run in the background while you twiddle your thumbs waiting, or even if you skip over them, as long as they get activated, then you are helping to fund me and support the continued writing and podcasting of Underwood and Flinch without having to pay a penny. So, I would be very grateful then if, when this episode ends, you let those final ads right at the end run before moving on to the next podcast. Just you letting them play makes a real difference to me. Thank you. And so, now, we return once again to the underground home of Lady Rosamund Underwood and her new lover, the fledgling vampire, Damo Sullivan. Last time, Rose told Damo how she had become a vampire. And this time, our curtain rises on Rose's bedroom some time later. The two have been sleeping, but suddenly, Damo is awoken by an all-too-familiar condition in the full... Underwood and Flinch, Season 4, Underground. Written and performed for podcast by Mike Bennett. This podcast is intended for an adult audience. Episode 5.
Damo was awoken by a now familiar ache in his stomach. He hadn't fed since they'd snacked on the taxi driver earlier that evening. Was it still that evening? In Rose's subterranean apartment, it was impossible to tell. Rose was sleeping beside him. He got carefully and quietly out of the bed and walked back to the bathroom to retrieve his wristwatch. He found it by the side of the bath. It was just after seven in the morning. His stomach ached again and he sat down on the edge of the tub, clutching his stomach until the pain passed. His flesh was cool to the touch. Cold turkey, he thought. So apt. He got up and went back to the bedroom. Rose! He called to her from the doorway. She murmured something and rolled to a different position. Rose, I need to feed. My stomach's killing me. Rose opened her eyes and propped herself up on an elbow. She saw the watch in his hand. What time is it? It's morning. Quarter past seven. Ah, yes. We should eat. I'm hungry too. She got out of the bed and went over to a dressing table where she plucked a jade green silk dressing gown from the back of a chair. She threw it on, then went to a door. She opened it onto a wardrobe and row upon row of clothes. After rummaging for a second, she selected a navy toweling bathrobe and came back to him. This is roughly your size, maybe a little snug, but I like to see your legs. She gave it to him, then put her arms around his neck and kissed him. Put it on and come with me. We go to the pantry. Pantry? The word evoked images of jars of homemade jam and covered plates of cold meat that seemed somewhat at odds with Rose's diet. What are you keeping there? What do you think? She said as she walked out into the hall. I don't know, he said, pulling on the robe and following her. That's why I asked. I'm a vampire, Damien. She stopped at the lift and opened the door. Surely you can guess. People! Rose pulled open the cage door and stepped into the lift. Very good. And aren't you glad? Damo couldn't decide if glad was a suitable word for what he felt. He tried to picture what a human-stocked pantry might look like. All the possibilities seemed equally horrific. He got into the lift. You mean you've got like 11 people stored for food? Yes. She pushed a button and the lift began to descend. That is what a vampire pantry would logically contain, is it not? We can't always go hunting. Sometimes, like now, it's just not convenient. But, Damo began before the pain in his stomach cut him off. He clutched a hand to his stomach. There, there, don't worry. Soon we will have you fed and well. The lift settled with a soft clunking sound and Rose pulled open the cage door. She stepped out and held a hand to him. Come, Damo took her hand and let her lead him out into a room with bare brick walls and a grey stone floor. There was a smell. Instinctively, he understood that it was blood, not freshly spilled, but old, dead blood. He looked around. Set in a wall to his left was a heavy steel furnace door. The wall and floor beneath it were stained a rusty shade of black. Is that the oven you mentioned? Yes. 
It was the standard crematorium model back in the 30s. Still works like a charm. Damo walked over to touch it. It was cold, and the surface was dull beneath a thin sheen of dust. Looks like it hasn't seen much action lately. No. Rose shook her head. If death is avoidable, I find it best avoided. These days everyone is so connected. You can't just erase people as easily as we did in the past. Of course, the lonely men, the homeless men, the junkies, runaways, people who have long been lost to their families, these are still easy to take. Though even then, why kill them when you can just pop them into your pantry? In another wall to the left of the oven, Damo noticed a large metal flab. It was hinged at the top like a big square letterbox cover. The bottom of the flap and the wall and floor beneath it were stained black. The smell of old blood was stronger there. With a finger, he tried to lightly lift the flap, but it was stuck to its frame. He pulled it, and it came free, with a sound like something being ripped from tacky glue. Damo almost gagged at the stink he released. He held his breath and looked inside. It was a metal-lined chute. The end angled so that whatever came down it shot out through the flap. The interior was badly dented and encrusted with dried gore. He dropped the flap and stepped back, his hand over his mouth. Jesus! Technically, that is a hotel laundry chute, said Rose, but that's not what we use it for. So what, you drop people down it? She laughed. <laughs> not people, Damien, corpses. I wouldn't put a live person in it. Damo backed away from it, appalled. Oh, but Christ, Rose, that's fucking awful. What is awful? They're dead. They don't mind. Yeah, but it's still a fucking disrespectful way to be treating them, isn't it? They were people, for Christ's sake. Again, they were people. Past tense. But when they come down here, they are just dead meat to be got rid of as quickly and efficiently as possible. You must lose this sentimental attitude to death, Damien. It will only make your survival all the more difficult. He turned on her. Christ, Rose, would you just give me a minute or two to adjust? I can't just become like you. I'm still human. Maybe not technically, but you can't undo a lifetime of being a warm-blooded human being and just become a, a cold-blooded monster over bloody night. She stiffened, clearly affronted by the remark. You, you think this? That I am a monster? Well, no, not you personally, but... Oh, come on, Rose. Have you been doing this for so long that you don't see any of this as even a bit fucking monstrous? His words cut her. For a moment she would only stare at him, dumbfounded. Then, in measured tones, she replied, Damien, I am a victim too. Like you, I did not choose to become this way. Fate thrust it upon me as it did upon you. All I do, all I have ever done, is to survive. Her last words trembled with the threat of tears. Damo immediately regretted what he had said. He took a step towards her, a hand raised in appeasement, ready to apologise, but she stopped him. 
Have you ever been inside a slaughterhouse? She asked. Seen the horrors that go on inside those places, just so you and your warm-blooded humans can live in a sanitized reality, screened from the industrial slaughters that keeps you all so well-fed and sanctimonious? No, but I... You buy your meat shrink-wrapped on little styrofoam trays from the supermarket, washed clean, every feather or hair removed, and not a drop of gore on it anywhere, lest the sensitive consumer be somehow reminded that they are the cause of the butchery of an innocent animal. At least in the past, people had to go into butcher shops that smelt of blood, sawdust on the floors to keep customers from slipping in the gore. But not now. Now there is nothing there to remind you that you are eating something that's been murdered in your name. I know that, but you call me a monster. Well, I call you and all your generation a bunch of stupid fucking hypocrites. Damo held up his hands. Okay, guilty as charged. You're right. He gestured to the chute and furnace. But this? Give me a break here, Rose. I don't see this kind of shit every day. Knowing that this kind of thing is my new normal, it's kind of a shock, you know. I mean, we're talking about human beings here. And the difference between them and cattle is what? Damo shrugged. They're us? Rose shook her head. No, they are not us, and you are not them. No matter how your feelings of belonging persists, you are no longer human. She came over and stood before him. You are a vampire, and you need to feed. Sometimes people will die, and when they do, their remains have to be disposed of. This apparatus, this place, they are not pretty, but they are practical, and practicality must outweigh sentimentality if we are to survive. An intense spasm of pain shot through Damo. It felt as if someone was twisting a meat hook in his stomach. He doubled up. Rose caught him and gathered him to her. This will get a lot worse before it passes, and when it does pass, you will go into the death sleep. The death sleep? What the fuck is that? The body closes down, like death, but not death. I suppose, essentially, it is a coma. Oh, yeah, the coma. I remember you mentioning that before, <laughs> said Damo with mock cheeriness. So I go into a coma if I don't feed. Oh, Jesus, this just gets better and better. He straightened up as the pain began to abate. Don't worry, this is a long and painful way off yet. But the death sleep is not all bad. Underwood has mastered it as a means to rejuvenate himself, or so he believes. He studied meditation techniques in India back in the days of the British Raj. He uses these to nullify the hunger pains as he guides himself down into coma. He, he guides himself down into coma? Christ, that's taken relaxation to a whole new level, isn't it? Can you do that? Oh, no, I have no patience for such things. I just feed. It is easier. The sleep is also dangerous if you do not have a servant to awaken you when it is done. Daniel will sleep for weeks or months, even decades, it now seems, before having his flinch revive him with fresh blood. The meat hook in Damo's stomach twisted again. His face screwed up against the pain, and he hissed. Oh, fuck, Rose, I gotta get some blood in me.
Please, just get me to this pantry of yours. So good, said Rose. She helped him across the room to a metal door in the opposite wall. She reached into the pocket of her gown and took out a key which she slipped into the lock, murmuring words of comfort. She unlocked the door and pulled it open. Inside, the air was warm. Damo saw a corridor. The bare brick walls and grey concrete floor continued, but here the floor was partly covered by a red runner carpet. Karen, Bernadette, Louise, Rose called. Another wave of pain racked Damo and he twisted out of Rose's grasp to fall to the floor. Ach, scheiße, Rose muttered. I let this go too long. It is my fault. She bent to kneel at his side. Don't worry. You feed now, Damien. Lie there and be still. All is well. Rose? A timid voice came from down the hall, and Rose turned to where a woman was peering anxiously around a doorway. The woman reached into the hall and flicked a light on. An ochre glow seeped from a low-watt bulb overhead. On seeing Damo, the woman gasped. Who's that? Rose beckoned sharply. Bernadette, come quick. Bernadette emerged warily into the hallway. She was in her early forties, her long brown hair carefully brushed and flowing over the shoulders of the pyjamas she wore. It's a man. Rose, why have you brought a man? This is Damien, dear. He is a vampire and he's sick. He must feed. Come, give yourself to him. But I'm yours, Rose. We're all yours. I know, and so I am asking you to do this for me. Please now. Rose's eyes found and held Bernadette's, and immediately all doubt seemed to leave her. She came over and knelt beside Rose alongside Damo. Damo looked up at Bernadette, and his eyes widened. He drew back his lips to reveal his now long, sharp canine teeth. He tried to spring up and bite her, but Rose's hand on his chest held him down. Shush, Damien. Be patient. This is Bernadette. She is my friend, and she is going to help you. Damo still tried to rise, unable to stop himself. He could hear himself making sounds, primitive, guttural sounds. Oh, dear, dear, he is far gone with the hunger, Bernadette. Forgive his manners. Rose smoothed Bernadette's hair from her temple and kissed her gently before taking the back of her head and easing her forward so her neck came down close to Damo's mouth. Now then, Damien, you must be a gentleman with Bernadette. Be kind and be gentle, or I will cut off your head. You understand me? Damo tried to lunge, his teeth snapping near Bernadette's throat. Rose shoved him flat to the floor with enough force to make his head bounce. Do you understand me? Yes, Damo hissed in a voice that was frightening even to him, so unrecognisable was it. He managed to get a hold of himself and said, calmly and in more familiar tones, Yes, I'm sorry, Rose. I'm sorry, Bernadette. Rose, said another voice from down the hall. What's going on? Rose turned to where now two other women stood watching the scene. Hush, my dears, all will be explained presently. Nothing to be afraid of. But Bernadette... Silence! 
Rose shouted. I'm trying to concentrate here. The two women fell silent, and Rose returned her attention to the matter at hand. All right, then. Damien, you have control of yourself? I do, Rose. I do. Bernadette, are you ready? Yes, Rose. Very good. Then, give yourself. Rose withdrew her hand from Bernadette's head, though with her other she continued to hold Damo down. Bernadette bent the remaining inches, bringing her neck up to Damo's mouth. Damo, using every ounce of self-control he had remaining, held himself back from tearing into her and softly kissed her neck. He could feel the pulsing heat of Bernadette's blood coursing beneath her skin. It lifted his hands to soothe and caress her. She began to relax, allowing him to hold her. And so, said Rose, welcome to our happy home, Damien. Now you can feed. Damo didn't need to be told twice. calling his name from far away, but he had no interest. Damien! Louder, more insistent, but still he ignored it. Then, a sudden pain on his forehead, he opened his eyes to see Rose rapping on his forehead with her knuckles. That is enough! Release her! Damo's only concern was the blood flowing into his mouth and the woman in his arms, his food. His first impulse was to attack Rose, take her out of the equation so he could drag the woman away into a corner and finish his meal undisturbed. But Rose seemed to anticipate that. She smacked his forehead with the heel of her hand and he fell away from the woman's neck. Blood splattered onto his face as Rose pulled the woman away from him. He remembered her name was Bernadette. Rose's mouth was now at Bernadette's neck. She was stealing his meal. He tried to push himself up, but again her hand forced his head down and pinned it without raising her mouth from Bernadette's neck. He tried to pull her hand away, but she was incredibly strong. From the corner of his eye, he now saw Bernadette crawling away from them. Then, suddenly, Rose was sitting on top of him, straddling his stomach. Damo bared his bloody teeth like an animal. He didn't understand why, but he wanted to fight her. She slapped him across the face, hard. Ah, fuck me, he cried. What, what the fuck was that for? And then he was back. He, Damo Sullivan, not whatever he had been a moment ago. Rose had his arms pinned with her hands, her face near his, Bernadette's blood on her lips. Jesus, Rose, he stammered. I'm sorry, I... You wanted to attack me, yes? Yeah, I don't know what to say, I... He looked over to where Bernadette was watching them. Are you all right, love? I'm so sorry. Bernadette smiled. I'm fine, thank you. You were very hungry, weren't you? I was, yeah, but I never meant to hurt you or nothing. Rose released his arms and sat up on him. You didn't, but only because I was here to stop you. She got up and offered him a hand. Damo took it and she helped him to a sitting position. He swayed a little. Rose smiled. Still experiencing something of the blood rush, I think. 
The war? When you feed. The blood. It fills the senses. It can almost overwhelm you. This is the danger. Almost. Jesus, Rose. I'd say it pretty much did overwhelm me. I was like some sort of animal or something. I didn't want to let her go. I didn't want you to take her away from me. Like a wolf, or any of nature's predators when it has its prey in its jaws. Yeah, yeah, exactly like that. Because this is what you are now, Damien, a predator. There is a beast in you, a hunter. And when you grow hungry, it starts to eclipse your rational mind. You remember you were telling me about how I was a monster. Then a few minutes later, there you were snapping at Bernadette's neck like a dog. I don't know what to say. I don't know what came over me. I do. This is why I forced you to focus, to calm yourself before you bit her. You needed to be there, consciously at the start, and you needed to also be there at the end. You will learn this, because I will teach you. Damo touched his forehead. Ah, it was the only way to reach you. You were lost in the blood. Fuck me. This is some weird shit, isn't it? I feel like a drunk that's just woken up from a serious bender. You know, when a, a cop tells you what you did the night before and why you're laying in a jail cell with a sore head? He looked at Bernadette. She seemed fine. Thank God he hadn't hurt her. So you closed Bernadette's wound? Of course. I thought you were feeding from her, stealing her from me. He got to his feet. How do you feel now? Better? Oh, f fuck yeah. I feel fucking awesome. Awesome? Rose frowned. This is another word like cool, yes? I hear it in the underground stations all the time. But you don't actually mean that you feel awesome, like some kind of god. Damo laughed. <laughs> actually, I do feel pretty fucking potent, but uh, not omnipotent. Yeah, awesome means something like cool. Bernadette spoke up from where she sat at the base of the wall. Do you remember Fab, Rose? Of course I remember Fab, but this was clear, a shortening of fabulous. It was accurate. But other words, awesome, cool, and wicked, <laughs> this one especially. A good thing is wicked, is that it? Well, it was, said Damer. I don't think it's used much anymore. It is not cool, said Rose. Damo grinned. Exactly. So what is cool these days, Damien? asked Bernadette. I don't know. I've been in Spain for years. I'm out of touch. What part of Spain? asked one of the women down the hall. Damo turned to them. They were watching, still from around the doorway, as if afraid to come nearer. Then he realised that after his performance they probably were afraid to come nearer. Malaga! Though I was up in the country for ages. White village in Cadiz called Almacena. I went to Spain on holiday once, said the woman. She was young, in her early twenties, with long blonde hair and a pretty face. Like Bernadette, she wore pyjamas, but she also wore a dressing gown and slippers. This is Louise, said Rose, and the lady behind her is Karen. Karen nodded. Her shoulder-length brown hair framed a face in its early thirties. Damo smiled and raised a hand. How's it going? And so, said Rose, now that you have eaten, it is time for my own repast. Bernadette, you have served today, and Karen, I had yesterday. So, Louise, it is your turn, my dear. 
Rose walked down to the young woman, who looked delighted to have been chosen, and took her hand. Damo noticed how thin Louise was, how thin they all were. Rose led Louise into the room at the end of the short corridor. Karen followed, as did Bernadette. Just before she left the hall, she turned back to Damo. Are you coming? Uh, I wasn't sure if I was supposed to, said Damo. Well, you could wait here, but I'm sure you'd rather sit down. Would you like a cup of tea? Damo's face lit up. Tea? <laughs> you have tea down here? Bernadette smiled. Of course. Why wouldn't we? Damo followed her into the room in time to see Rose and Louise leaving by another door. In the room, the bare brick walls had been whitewashed and were covered with pin-ups, photos and postcards. He went to sit down, but his toe caught on something and he stumbled, almost falling. Mind a gully, said Karen. The gully? said Damo, looking back at the floor behind him, to see two large worn rugs, one patterned and one plain brown, covering the stone floor. Beneath the line where they met, there was a shallow void. He went back and towed up the edge of one of the rugs to reveal a drainage gully. What the fuck is that for? I don't know. They ran across the floor and meet at a drain in the middle. You have to watch your step or you'll go arse over to it. Why is there a drain in the middle of the floor? I don't know. It's filled in and covered now. But that's what it was. This place was like a big bathroom or something once. Damo let the rug fall back into place. Did Rose tell you that? Yeah, she converted it into an apartment. Apartment? Damo gave a non-committal nod. Apartment? Pantry? Cage? Call it whatever makes you feel at home, love. Do you want to watch telly? Asked Karen. We don't get any of the channels down here, but we got loads of stuff on disc. Er, uh, no, said Damo. Thanks, but uh, not now. Maybe later. He went over to look more closely at some of the pictures on the walls. Many of them were of film stars and celebrities. Here was David Tennant's Doctor Who, and here was Brad Pitt. Here, the paper crispier around the edges, was a floppy-haired Hugh Grant in a publicity shot from Four Weddings and a Funeral. Next to it, a faded pin-up of David Soule and Paul Michael Glaser, a yellow-edged Prince Charming pose from Adam Ant, a pin-up of David Cassidy from Jackie magazine, and here was a picture of Steve McQueen. The paper rippled with age. It was weird. It was like a gallery of male dreamboats going back through time. Do you like it? asked Karen. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. Did you do it? No, it was here when I came. <laughs> when we all came. We've added a few things to it, but we leave the old stuff where it is. It's like a tribute to them what came before us, them what have now moved on, like. Moved on. Another interesting choice of words, Damo thought. He noticed that between the pictures, here and there, was scratched graffiti that had been painted over, it was names, mostly, all female. He ran his fingers over one. Betty. Whatever happened to Betty? Whatever happened to Joan and Sarah, Alice and Anne? Moved on, no doubt. The furnace rose in his mind, the sound of fire roaring within. He pushed the thought away and turned back to Karen. So, 
How long have you been down here? Hard to say. We don't really keep time down here. Damo sat down on the dining chair. Do you mind me asking, what happened to you? I, I mean, how did you end up here? Rose rescued me. She took me off the streets. It was winter. I was homeless and sleeping rough. I'd be dead if it weren't for her. Damo noticed how pale she was, her skin almost translucent. Don't you miss the sunshine? Sorry? You know, the sun. Do you miss it? Oh no, we get to go out sometimes. Damo's eyebrows arched. Really? She lets you out? Of course. It's not like we're prisoners or nothing. Rose likes us to go out when it's sunny. We like to go to the park, sit on the grass by the serpentine. She gives us money for ice cream. Money for ice cream? Damo could hardly believe his ears. These women were either heavily in Rose's hypnotic thrall, or they were seriously advanced cases of Stockholm Syndrome. And you're never tempted to leave? Leave? Karen seemed puzzled. Leave Rose? Why would we want to do that? I don't know. To go home? But this is our home. Rose feeds us, cares for us, and we care for her. We're like a proper family, we are. Bernadette entered with three mugs of tea on a tray. What are you two talking about? Karen reached up and took one of the mugs. Damien was asking me how I got here. Oh, yes. Bernadette set the tray down on the coffee table and sat down on the sofa next to Karen. Yeah, said Damo. Karen was just telling me about how you go out from time to time. That's right. We enjoy our days out, don't we, Kaz? She smiled at Karen. Ice creams, coffee at Starbucks and Costa, pasties or cheese straws from Greg's, said Karen. Lovely. Sometimes we buy Rose a present, said Bernadette. Though I suppose it's not really a present because technically she's the one who paid for it. But she appreciates the gesture. Like what? asked Damo. Oh, nothing fancy. Usually something from a charity shop. We got her a German novel last time. In German. She loved that, didn't she? Karen nodded. So, how did you come to be here, Bernadette? Asked Damo. Me? Oh, I was really messed up. Heroin. Total nightmare. I fell into prostitution to keep me and my boyfriend supplied. We used to live in a squat in King's Cross. He was a shit, but I loved him. Or at least I thought I did. He was all I had until he died. After that, I was on my own. One night, I, I just, you know, hit rock bottom. A guy ripped me off, wouldn't pay me afterwards. When I insisted, he beat and raped me and then tried to strangle me. I blacked out. When I came to, he was gone, as was all the money in my purse. It was the last straw. I went down to King's Cross Underground and was all set to throw myself in front of a train. That's when Rose found me. She took me in. Nursed me off the smack, and then, when my blood was clean again... She smiled and nodded to the tray. I don't know if you take sugar, so I brought the bowl. Help yourself. And, uh, you're okay with the whole, you know, being fed on thing? Bernadette chuckled. <laughs> well, you've obviously been fed on. Didn't you like it? Damo remembered being in Lydia's arms, the ecstasy of her bite. Well, yeah, I, I suppose I did, but she was killing me, you know, so I was kind of pissed off at the time. But you liked it. Yeah, he nodded. So you can understand why we do. 
I suppose you could say I've got an addictive personality, and Rose is my new drug of choice, though I could certainly get used to you, Damien. She smiled and stroked her neck where he had bitten her. Damo looked down at his tea, a coy smile on his lips. So, er, uh, what about the other girl? Louise, said Karen. She was homeless too, same sort of mess as what I was in. Another lost soul, said Bernadette. Who is the lost soul? asked Rose as she entered the room, her cheeks now flushed a rosy red. We all were, Rose, said Bernadette, till we met you. Ah, they are telling you their stories, Damien, said Rose. My lost souls. It is true, they are all this way. But they are happy here now. I provide for their every need. Food, shelter, comfort, even love. But how come it's only women? asked Damo. Why no men? Rose laughed. <laughs> have you ever tried to keep men? <laughs> no, I can't say that I have. Oh, they are dreadful. Always they are trying to dominate each other. Fighting, bullying, even fucking each other. And try mixing one with a group of women, and they poison the place, create jealousies, fights, and, of course, babies. No, she shook her head. Men are fine for one night, but you would not want to keep them. Damo nodded. He could see the logic. To Bernadette and Karen, he said, But what about your families and friends? Bernadette sipped her tea. This is my family, and these are my friends. Better than the ones I had before. Karen nodded in agreement. She turned to Rose. Where's Louise? Sleeping, as you all should be. I'm so sorry for our unexpected intrusion on you. We'll go now and leave you to get back to your rest. Karen sat up and reached a hand toward Damo. Oh no, don't go. Stay and tell us about yourself. You're Irish, aren't you? Tell us about your home and Spain. Oh, and how you became a vampire. Do you like it? Oh, Karen, my dear, said Rose, so many questions. There will be plenty of time later for Damien to tell you all about himself in the future. But for now, let's all get some rest. We can get together again tonight sometime, perhaps upstairs. We can have dinner. Would you like that? Oh, yes, Rose, that would be lovely, said Karen. We love coming upstairs, don't we, Bernadette? Yes, said Bernadette, and turning to Damo, added, Will you be there, Damien? Damo glanced at Rose and said, Yeah, yeah, of course. Rose got up. Good, then it is a date. We will come and fetch you tonight. I will have something special brought in for dinner. Oh, can we have pizza? said Karen. Rose looked at Bernadette. Do you want pizza, Bernadette? Bernadette smiled. Yes, and wine, please, red wine. Rose laughed. <laughs> oh, very well. As it is a special occasion, she held out a hand to Damo. Come, Damien, we should let these ladies get their rest. When they were outside, Rose took the key from her gown and locked the door. Why do you do that? asked Damo. Lock them in. Rose cocked her head to one side, puzzled by his apparent stupidity. So they don't try to escape, of course. But they told me that you let them go outside. Surely if they begun to leg it, then that's when they do it. Oh, as I told you this, did they? She looked at the lock and shrugged. Yes, I do let them go out for the sunshine, but they are deeply fascinated beforehand, 
pre-programmed to return by a certain time. And no one's ever done a runner. You mean escaped? She shook her head. No. But only the ones I really trust ever get to go out. And even then, I always leave one in the pantry just in case. In case they do run for it? No. Just in case the ones outside have an accident or something. I never doubt for a moment they won't return if I tell them to. I keep one back so there is always food in the house. Can you imagine how you would have felt today if they had all been out somewhere? You would have had to wait until sundown before you could have eaten. Right, for no, that wouldn't have been good. No, indeed it would not. Rose dropped the key back into her pocket and walked over to the lift. You know, it's weird, said Damo. When you first talked about the human pantry, I had all kinds of gruesome images in my head. But these people don't even seem to think of themselves as prisoners. They're almost happy. Rose's eyebrows arched. Almost? I think you'll find they are all very happy. Well, yeah, but how much of that is fascination? None of it. It is as they told you. The life they have here is better than the one they had out there. Free room and board, free food, no bills. Yeah, and you, the drug of choice. Rose chuckled. <laughs> this is Karen, yes. She thinks of me this way, I know. But it is true. I am addictive. And so are you. You just don't know it yet. Damo remembered the girls he'd picked up and gone clubbing with the other night, and how they'd been up for anything he'd wanted. He grinned. Oh, I think I got a pretty good idea, Rose. She stepped close to him, and he closed an arm around her waist. Yes, I bet you do. They kissed. Then she stepped away from him and into the lift. Come, we go back to bed. For when we rise tonight, there is much to do. What? You mean dinner with the girls here? No, my dear. Tonight we hunt. Hunt? <laughs> but surely we don't need to. We got the girls, pizza and wine for them, and blood for us. No, Damien. The girls need to rest from the bleeding. We get them the pizza and the wine, yes, and we shall dine with them as promised. But you and I must find fresh blood tonight. Maybe we will even bring someone home, a fourth guest for the pantry. Really? Why? Well, now that you are here... She took him by the front of his bathrobe and drew him into the lift with her. We need more in store. She tugged his robe open, looked at his body, and smiled. I see the cool air does nothing to diminish you. He was about to reply, but before he could think of anything to say, she embraced him and began kissing him passionately. He felt her gown come open and her naked body next to his, but Damo was trying to process the news that he was to be the cause of some poor destitute being brought down here and added to the menu. It wasn't the most aphrodisiac thought in the world, but when Rose's thigh pressed between his legs to firm resistance, he knew it couldn't be troubling his conscience that much. Then she broke off from their kiss and pulled the cage door closed. She pressed a button and the lift began to rise. 
I like you, Damien, she said, brushing a finger over his ear. I like you too, Rose. Do you want to stay here with me? He nodded. Yeah, totally. What other choice was there, especially right now? Good. Rose's lips drew back from her teeth in a smile that revealed the points of her fangs. Then I have something for you. Oh? Uh, what's that? She kissed him again, long and deep, till the lift came to a soft halt. Then her lips moved away from his, brushing over his chin and down onto his neck. He felt the twin points of sharpness against his skin. He tensed. Rose, don't be afraid, my darling. I take just a little, and then you can feed from me. But... His words were cut off by his small cry as her teeth entered him. <gasps> oh, Janie Mac! he gasped. The pain lasted only a moment before it was swept away by a soft, blooming ecstasy. Damo felt his knees weaken beneath him as Rose began to draw him down to the floor. He ran his hands up into her hair, caressing her. Oh, Jesus, he said through a smile. This is so fucked up. And maybe it was, but he didn't care. He closed his eyes and surrendered. I think it's best that we lower the curtain here, listeners, and give these two lovebirds their privacy. Overground, the city is awakening, and by my watch, David Flinch's flight from Spain has landed, and soon Lisa will be dead. Elizabeth Daventry will bring David up to London to meet the lawyers Daventry and West, and that meeting will end, as you know, with a sleeping draught in David's drink. But what next? Join me next week for the continuing saga of Underwood and Flinch. The music you're listening to is Ahmad Armour by Farid Farjad, courtesy of Taranay Records, specialists in Persian music. You can buy the track at iTunes or Amazon, and you can also stream it on Spotify. Other music on the podcast was by Andrew Rothman. And so there we are, listeners. Underwood and Flinch Season 4, Episode 5. And I hope you enjoyed it. As I said in the outro there, next week we see the return of David Flinch. So be sure to tune in for that, won't you? And also be sure to check out and subscribe to my YouTube channel for those video news bulletins on the possible Underwood and Flinch television series. And while you're there, look out for the podcast of my 1990s sitcom set in a music venue, Glitterballs. Yes, you heard me right. The first fiction I ever wrote, rejected by the UK TV channels in 1996 and now resurrected in podcast form with me reading the scripts at YouTube.
which is kind of strange, isn't it? A series of scripts for a, a show intended for a visual medium, TV, read and recorded for an audio medium, podcasting, and now only available on a different kind of visual medium, YouTube, even though it's still only a podcast. Anyway, that's there if you want it. There are no vampires in it, but there is a live music venue in the 1990s, which is almost the same thing. Mm. Anyway, thank you for listening, as always. And uh, again, I would be really grateful if you would do me a favour and let those ads at the end roll. Thank you. That would be awesome. But from me for now then, until the moon rises again over Underwood and Flinch, farewell. <laughs>